This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. I'm glad to see you guys out here on Resurrection Sunday. You all look all Eastery, if that's a word. All decorated and colors and beauty. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand. I want you to get the Word of God in your hands so you can see the truth today. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of uh, Matthew, the book of, excuse me, the book of Luke, chapter 23, Luke 23, where where we will begin this morning. And this last week, if you've been here with us, we've been on a journey for a week now. And a week ago today, we were at Palm Sunday, and Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Monday rolled around and Jesus went into the temple and he cleansed the temple from the money changers. He overturned their table. Tuesday he spoke the great commandment to love the Lord thy God with all the heart and all the soul and all the might and love your neighbor as yourself. Wednesday rolled around. He was anointed by Mary Magdalene. Thursday he ate the Passover dinner with his disciples And then Friday was what we are known as Good Friday. Jesus was beaten and he was bruised. And the crown of thorns was placed upon his head and sandwiched in between two criminals. He was crucified. And so we pick up right there this morning, Luke 23, verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? Do you not have a fear of God at all within you? Seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then this criminal said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is the heart of Jesus right here. That this criminal on the verge of dying, this sinner, right there in his last few minutes of life, said to Jesus, Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And as you read this, understand that This man, a sinner, a criminal, he was a candidate for the very things that Jesus had done. And even up to the last minutes of his life. I want you to note something there. Jesus didn't reject him at all. Jesus didn't say to him, listen, buddy, you got to go clean your life up before that happens. Jesus didn't even say, you got to go be water baptized. Jesus responds here in the, the next verse, in verse 43, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You, the one who acknowledged me as Lord and Savior. See, it's never too late. And I don't care what type of criminal, what type of sinner you are, You're a candidate for the things of God. Jesus loves you. And that was his desire for every one of us. And so 
John 19.30, Jesus himself says, It is finished on the cross. And the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for humanity was not only made, but it was fulfilled when Jesus said that. Now go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Understand this, Jesus died for sinners. He didn't die for perfect people because there's no perfect people, but he died for sinners. You know, this past week, day after day, I'd find myself just beginning to weep, just cry. And I think of all the things I've done in my life that were so sinful. And understand this, every one of us in this room, your sins are no mystery to God. He sees everything every one of us have done. Everything that I've ever done, He knows. That's why He went to the cross. He loved me so much. And so understand that this morning. So we jump on into Matthew 12, in verse 38. Let's see what happens to Jesus once he dies on that cross. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. We want you to, to prove you're the Messiah. But Jesus answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Interesting words that Jesus used there. Now, what he was talking about is people that are morally unfaithful to God. All you want to see is a sign. And he said, but there would be no sign. There would be no given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so when we read this right here, This will give us understanding biblically that when Jesus died on the cross, his next step was he went to the belly of the earth, which was hell, for three days. What did Jesus do while he was in hell? Well, if you remember last week there in Genesis 3.15, the very first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament it was prophesied that Jesus would bruise the devil's head. And so when he journeyed there to hell, I believe this was a fulfillment of that, that he bruised the devil's head. And I don't know about you, when I get to heaven, there's going to be a bunch of reruns that I want to see. And this is one right here. Now in my mind, I, I can imagine what Jesus did. Remember, one of the references of Jesus is he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was a lion. He wasn't weak in any form. And so he bruised the devil's head. And in saying that, it was as if he said, you have no authority over me to the devil. You have no authority over mankind. Then after that, according to Colossians 2.15, it says that he spoiled principalities and powers. Those are the demons that are in hell. And it said he spoiled them. He made a public display over them, triumphing over them. And so what I see in that is every demon in hell, Jesus said, I'm Lord over you also. And not only that, he paraded them. Think about the Rose Bowl parade. (laughs) 
He paraded every demon around hell and every demon that had a name there, he said, I'm over you. You have no authority anymore. And then in Revelations 1.18, it said he took the keys of death and hell. And so in that sense right there, Jesus said, I've triumphed over death and hell. You have no authority over humanity anymore either. And remember this, that he who has the keys has the authority. So what did Jesus do with those keys? Well, in Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And so what happens is when we get born again, it's as if Jesus takes the keys, all the authority that he achieved on the cross and he went to hell, and he pitches them to me and you, and he said, now here, everything that I've overcome, you now have the authority in the name of Jesus. And so once Jesus destroys all of hell like he did, then he rises from the grave. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. And we keep going on here. Or Acts chapter 1. And then here in just a few minutes, I'm going to go to Acts 10. Acts 1 and then Acts 10. So Jesus goes to hell. He dies on the cross. He goes to hell. He defeats the devil. He defeats every demon. And then we come to Acts chapter 1. Verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering or his crucifixion by many infallible, unmistakable, or convincing proofs being seen by them. And who was the them? Being seen by the, the apostles during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus rises from the grave. And for, from the time he rose from the grave until he ascended on to, into heaven, where he is right now, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. You know what that means? He's praying for me and you. But for, for those 40 days, he showed himself. To those disciples. Now not only did those disciples get to do life with him before his crucifixion. Now they're getting to do life with him after his resurrection. Now just think about this about these men called his disciples. Once Jesus left this earth they were all persecuted for being Christians. They were mocked. They were thrown in jail. They were beaten. And if you ever study the deaths of the apostles, it's shocking. Some of these apostles were beheaded. Some were crucified. The point is this, that if everything that Jesus did was a hoax or a fraud, do you think these guys would have been persecuted like they did? Do you think these guys would have died the deaths they did? No, I don't believe so at all. And so in saying all this right here, does it take great faith to believe in the resurrection? It does. It takes great faith to believe in the resurrection. But understand this this morning. The resurrection that I believe in 
is based on facts and based on what eyewitnesses saw. I want you to think about this here for a second. In the 1960s, which many of you weren't even born then, many of you weren't even thought about then. But in the 1960s, two great men were assassinated. JFK and MLK. I was a little bitty guy there. I was three at one of them and eight at the other. But I would venture to say that not one of us in this room was actually present when either one of those took place. But how many of us in this room still believe that took place? I believe it took place. I wasn't there. But I believe it took place. And the reason I say it took place was because there was eyewitnesses that witnessed it. And so that's how history goes. And so every one of us, we have the opportunity to believe those things or not. And some people would say, well, how do you know that MLK's death, his assassination, wasn't a fraud, wasn't a hoax? The eyewitnesses were hallucinating. Hollywood came in. Or just maybe those eyewitnesses, they've been spending a little time in Colorado. No, we believe, what I mean by that is smoking dope, guys, okay? I'll interpret that for some of you. What do you mean by that, pal? No, I believe it. I believe those things because of eyewitnesses. Well, the same thing comes true with the Lord and Savior Jesus. I believe that because the Bible says so. Now look over a couple pages to Acts 10, and I want to show you a little bit more. And this is about the apostle Peter. This is about Peter, what he got to witness. Acts chapter 10, verse 39. And we are witnesses of all the things which Jesus did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So Peter right here, he's he's just verifying. See, let me tell you this this morning. Does Jesus' resurrection need your faith to be true? No, it doesn't. It doesn't need your faith at all to be true. Whether you believe it or not, it's a fact. But your faith must believe in his resurrection in order for you to be saved. And so the point of this is that I get over and I see, this is what eyewitnesses saw. This is what they wrote. This is what they penned by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the resurrection a little deeper this morning. Go to the book of Matthew, verse, or chapter 27. Matthew 27. And I believe in this passage, there are going to be some truths that will jump out. That will help you. That will help every one of us in this room. To understand not only the resurrection, but what that means for me and you as believers. So we begin back on Good Friday. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, noon, until the ninth hour, three... 
there was darkness over all the land. I don't know about you, but if I was alive in that day from noon to 3 o'clock and darkness hit the land, you know what my thought would be? Something's up. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Something's up. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what you must understand at this point, Jesus became the greatest sinner of all time. All the sin of mankind was put upon him right here at this point. And when he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? This was the first time in his life that the father had abandoned him. You know why? Because of sin. We keep reading. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, that it's what he said, this man is calling for Elijah, immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. Then the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. In other words, Jesus died physically at this precise moment. Now, if you'll look at the very next verse, verse 51, it says, then. I want you to look at some of these thens. The first one, it said, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The veil of the temple was a very, very thick curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And if you'll note in there, it said it was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And that signified there was no way that that was an act of mankind. So at the very moment that Jesus dies, the veil of the temple splits. Keep reading. And it said... And the earth quaked. The earth shook. The earth rumbled. How many of you have ever been in an earthquake? I've been in one one time. It was freaky. I mean, this chandelier started moving, and I thought, what in the world have we gotten into? Think about this. The precise moment he dies, the earth shakes. And then it says, and then the rocks begin to split. And we read verse 52, 53, and 54 real fast. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion, this Roman guard, and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. These were unbelievers these were, were Gentiles that said, that was the Son of God. These were men who not only saw him die and how he died, but they saw the veil split. They saw the earthquake. They saw the rock split. I want you to get something else, and this is where I believe it will help us this morning. Verse 52 and 53. And the graves were open. Freaky. Think about that. I just think about that. At the very moment he dies, these graves and these tombs open up. Now watch what happens here. Read this because you've got to get this part today. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after, after, after his resurrection. So on 3 o'clock on Friday, 
these graves and these tombs begin to open up. But the people that were in these graves and these tombs, they didn't rise up until after Jesus rose up. And if we lived with Christ, then we'll die with Christ and we'll be raised with Christ. And if you'll note in that passage, who did it say was the ones who were raised? It didn't say ever Tom, Dick, and Harry. It said the saints. It only said the saints. So this was being a a form of telling me and you as believers, as saints, I don't have to fear death the way it used to be. When death came into this realm called earth, death entered in because of mankind's sin. Do you know in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, it was God's desire that mankind never die? He, he intended for Adam and Eve to live forever. But because the sin came in, it brought death. And so now you know what he does? God says, I got to put hope back into my people, the saints of God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Jesus die for them. And as they raise up, it's going to symbolize you don't have to die the way you think you have to die. When Jesus rose up from the grave, he rose up as a new race. And you know what his race said? You're going to live forever eternally. Where? In paradise. Even as a sinner. Now watch what happens in chapter 28, verse 1. And we'll read a few of those verses. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. There's some big earthquakes that weekend. Friday at 3 and then again this Sunday morning. And he said, and and there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And he came and he rolled back the stone from the door and he sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Listen, ladies, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. Now, when this angel descended and he sat on that tomb, you know what he was doing to me? He sat up there and he's all kicked back. And it was as if he was mocking death. And the angel was saying, Death, you ain't, you, you ain't nothing what you used to be. Nothing like you used to be. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 and 55, it says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? It isn't no more. It's different now. And so the, the thought of all this resurrection for me and you is, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear death. Death isn't what it used to be. Now, let me give you a little analogy here this morning. That, that I believe it'll show you that I can live as a citizen of heaven right here. My last name is Swan, S-W-A-N-N. How did I get that name? I didn't choose it. I didn't select it. As a matter of fact, I had absolutely nothing to do with my last name. Nothing. This guy is Ken Richburg. You know what he had to do with his last name? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
My father's last name was Swan. How did he get that last name? From his father. He didn't do anything to obtain that name. It was inherited. It was a gift. So my last name is Swan. If I act like a swan, I'm a swan. If I don't act like a swan, I'm still a swan. And if I do right or wrong, it doesn't matter, I'm still a swan. So I inherit that last name not based on my behaviors or what I do, whether good or bad. I inherited that last name just because it was an inheritance. And if I do wrong, I don't lose it. And if I do right, I don't lose it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all things have become new again. So when I inherit the kingdom of God through the Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus, I'm now living my life through Him. And if I go to heaven, it's not because of how good or bad it is, it's because I acknowledge Him as my Lord and Savior. Doesn't matter if you've had good behaviors, bad behaviors. Because I've gotten born again and I've given my heart to Him, I'm a now part of Him. And when I'm a part of Him, I'm going to live forever with Him. And that's what the resurrection means. And listen, as He rose up, we rose up. As He died, we died. And so there's a new race. And you know what the new race is? Kingdom of God. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And I live my life and my identity now is is not in my behavior whether it's good or bad. My identity now is I'm in Christ. If I do what's right, I'm in Christ. If I don't always do what's right, I'm in Christ. As long as I keep my heart right and I repent and say, Father God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. But see, too many times we've thought we've got to earn salvation. See, every one of us in this room, we're sinners, we're criminals. We're like the very man on the cross. And I don't know where you're at today, but he loves you and he died for you. And as he rose, you can rise. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.